welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. Katie and Arlene are here, as usual. Um, If you're on Patreon, you won't see Katie because, as always, if you get new technology, it never works the way you think it's going to. So if you're a Patreon person who likes to watch our updates on video, you just get to see me today. So welcome, everybody. And hello, Katie, for all of our just... Just audio listeners, what is going on in Iowa these days? Well, Arlene, part of the one of the nice perks of my job is that we get money for office equipment. So I upgraded to what, to my mind, is a fairly obscenely expensive webcam because that's the one that everybody who is anybody at work is using. Um, I have been using my $25 bought during the pandemic Walmart special uh, for the last four years, I guess now. Um, but my obscenely expensive new camera doesn't seem to work with our recording platform, or at least not super straightforwardly. Not today. Not, not yet. I have faith in my abilities, but not yet. Um, we're in the middle of that late January spring thaw. Do you guys get that up there? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're now we have like eight inches of mud and... It's just muddy, but at least it's warm, so I'm going to open all the windows today, despite the fact that it is not warm enough to open all the windows, but it's nice to get some fresh air, and even if it is cold. Um, we had a new calf born on Sunday, first calf I've ever had to pull. Um, came out healthy, big. That's good. Was it unexpected, or you knew it was coming? Uh, unexpected. His mama did not breed last year, so she's been in with the steers and apparently was in with the bull long enough to uh, get bred this year. So yeah, uh, I guess she can stay with the rest of the herd. She saved herself from the uh, auction lot, so that's good. Um, we're starting to get ready for lambing, which should begin at the end of February, but... You know, if we start thinking about it now, there's a chance that we'll be halfway ready by the time the first lambs show up. So that's good. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because as we know, animals don't look at the calendar. They do not. Sometimes sometimes things show up a little early. Maybe I should try a digital calendar. Like maybe they're just more tech savvy than I'm giving them credit for. I've, sure. I've legitimately yeah. tried just taking a paper calendar out and showing it to them, but usually they just eat it. So... You know, if anyone has any other suggestions about how to get them to do things on schedule. Like humans, we all know that you can't rush things or you can't predict things yeah. when it comes to uh, to having babies. So yeah. they're just going to do what they're going to do. Um, at least this year, we do know what day the Rams went in. We have had, you know, shit happens. Uh, let's just put it this that way. But. This year they were separated by like half the length of the property. So I feel. You're more confident in your dates. Fairly secure in that. That's good. Which doesn't mean that they will follow schedule, but you know. 
Uh, how are things in Canada, Arlene? Speak for the entire country, please. Yes, yeah, I'll speak for the entire country. I like how I always ask for your you for you to update the entire state, and I get the whole country. Um, but yes, things are fine. We're going through one of those periods, and you know, being on a podcast, it's tricky because one of our goals is to be open and to be vulnerable with people and to talk about the real stuff. And at the same time, there are some things that are not mine to share. Um, so I'm just going to say that things are rough right now. In my, in my house, my immediate family, the people I live with, and the one who's away at school, um, things are good, things are fine, everyone's healthy and happy. Um, but in the extended life of our family and friends and people that we love, things Things are harder and we're going through some stuff. So that's just the reality of the way things are right now. And it's hard to hard to plan, which is hard for my brain because I like to I like to plan things. But there's a lot of unpredictability in what's going on right now and trying to be available when people ask for help and to do things for others when when they need it, but also get all the regular stuff done too, right? Of having a farm and having kids and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. It's, it depends on the day, how things are going. But that's not all of Canada. That's just me personally. Well, it should be all of Canada. They should all be concerned about it because it's, it's <laughs> yeah. a lot. I know. And I know that, you know, with a lot of jobs, you can just kind of push stuff back for a couple days and just take the time you need. But with farming and with uh, dairy animals especially, they do not really give any cares whatsoever as to what else is happening in your life. Yeah, that's and right. Yeah, there's there's not not the flexibility that we would sometimes like. But at the same time, I mean, I've said it before, but we are very grateful for the, the help that we have here on the farm. Both my in-laws and our employees are super helpful. So when it comes to that kind of stuff, we do have, we are lucky to have some flexibility that I know not all, all farmers do when this kind of stuff happens. So we are lucky in that sense, but yeah, we're just going through some stuff and maybe someday I'll be able to share it and maybe someday I won't, but it's just one of those times. So that's where I am today. I'm just sad that it's not that you like hit a massive lottery and have too many appointments with your tax people. Yeah. And all the vacations that we're going to plan and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All those appointments at the Rolls Royce dealership do really <laughs> eat into your free time. I yes, know. for sure. How many holidays can we fit into the next 365 days? Mm, 366, it's a leap year. That's right. We get an extra day of fun this year. That should help. Yeah, that'll help with everything. We've got yeah. an extra day to keep ourselves organized. All right. Yep. On that note, why don't we go ahead and introduce our guest for this week? All right. So today we are excited to be talking to Kelly Foreman, who is our first guest from Alaska, and she's joining us from Kodiak, Alaska. So Kelly, we start each of our interviews with the same question, and this is a way to introduce yourself to our listeners. So we always ask, what are you growing? So for farmers, that often covers crops and livestock, but also kids and careers and businesses and all kinds of other stuff. So Kelly, what are you growing? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm most commonly goats are the main thing. Like I'm the crazy goat lady, um, known by most people around here um, that way. So do we know any normal goat ladies? 
Like, I don't know anybody who has goats where they're not the crazy goat lady. Like, no, you're so right. It's like chicken math. It's just a thing. That's not like it is interesting because once I got into it, it was like, oh, my gosh, you're a crazy goat lady. And I was like, no, you're part of the club. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I am like that. That is that is me. I am. I have joined the ranks, I guess, of the crazy goatness. Um, <laughs> yes. So goats. However, um, <clears throat> I don't just stop there. So being, you know, an island in different locations. So I guess I'll try and <clears throat> make my way down the list. So goats, sheep. I have a small Shetland sheep herd. And then we have too many chickens, ducks. Um, pigs right now I have one very pregnant sow so I run her through twice a year um, for piglets and then horses one mule and then I have a free range cattle herd on a nearby island so about 30 head of cattle and then cats and dogs and within that three three fantastic boys I am trying to you know grow to be responsible great young men and um, uh, I guess just keep the car on the track with with all of the other little things in the middle yeah for sure so we don't need numbers on everything but I'll ask a few extra questions so ages of kids just so we know that that situation yep so so my boys are my oldest is 13 Grayson Landry is 11 and Fletcher is a raging seven-year-old. We kind of joke that Landry was our first and second child. So being in the middle there. And then, so there's a little break in there. Cause it was like, Oh, we're done. I'm done. And then Fletcher came. Um, so yeah, those are our boys. I'm, I've got a girl, but then I had three boys in a row. So I feel you. Yeah. One of, one of them is 13 as well. Um, and I'm not going to ask, cause since you don't know all your total numbers, but since you mentioned goats first, what are we doing with the goats and approximately how many of those are there? Yeah. Right now my, my herd is actually about at the smallest. It will be throughout a course of an entire year being in the middle of winter. So I have about, it's always about 30 goats right now. And um, currently I am running the state of Alaska's only grade A certified goat dairy. So that's their, that's their main jam is making milk and ice cream and cheese and all that stuff. Sure. And you didn't mention any crops. So how, how are all these animals getting fed? I'm wondering about uh, the options for crops in Alaska or in your part of Alaska. Growing things is harder in Alaska. Um, so a lot of it has to be grown undercover. Um, but we do, I mean, we grow our fair share of potatoes, um, but they're mostly just for our own local, you know, our use. And this last year we did, um, some beets for the first time to help supplement some of our feed. We're just trying to work towards trying to figure out some options as far as more local sustainable food options for our livestock, but most everything is imported. So I get in um, big containers full of hay that are shipped up from Washington. And then I work with Alaska Mill and Feed to, to bring over by boat. So everything in Kodiak has to be brought by boat or by plane if you don't grow it. And how long of a trek is that? So how long, how long is your hay traveling? Yeah. So the hay, I need to be a couple months ahead in my planning stages. And this year was interesting because I don't like to order hay in the winter 
because of the weather, you're just never guaranteed to get a ship in. And so you could be like five bales left, ships deterred because of weather. So um, it can take, yeah, it can take up to, to two months. This this one went a little faster than we thought. So we were, we were moving a lot of hay um, back in at the end of November. And what what distance of ferry ride are you from the mainland and kind of what's your, what's your crossing point? Yep. So it's either a one hour plane ride to Anchorage, but if you're going to get on the ferry from Kodiak and the ferries between 10 and 13 hours, depending on you, if you make a stop at a village and so to Homer, and then it's another four to five hour drive from Homer to Anchorage where there are things. So like this, this, uh, Things, yeah. yeah, this, this summer we had bought a new van in Anchorage. And so like I flew up to Anchorage, got the van, loaded it full with stuff, then made the track down to Homer to load it on the ferry to get it to Kodiak. So I'm guessing you didn't bring any people with you both because of the plane cost and then you could fit more stuff, right? Was it full right to the roof? Yeah. Normally, normally though, and it's interesting because this was the first time in any trip that I have not brought back animals um, with me. It always ends up like the last time my husband's like, please don't do this. And I was like, I bought three sheep that I need you to get in Wasilla for me. And he's like, I don't do this. I don't, I don't do this. And then, you know, another time it's like, I got a couple of goats. You're just going to have to milk them once. And he's like, no, no, Kelly. <laughs> but this was the brand new van. So it still had to smell a little bit new by the time you got it home. Was that the idea or was it full of feed? Yeah, the idea, the idea was like, please don't ruin the van yet. Cause it's yet, it's yet with me. Yeah, there's, there's, you'll still be transporting animals in it later. <laughs> oh, it is, it is an animal transporting device, whether he knows it or not, like it's happening. <laughs> Kelly, that answers my question about how much easier it is to justify things when you're like, well, if I don't get snacks now, they're, you know, 18 hours away. If I don't buy this goat now, it's, I can't just go down the road and get another one. It's, it's going to be 18 hours away. I better get two or three of them just. You don't want to take that risk. Well, and that's what happened. So I, I ended up, I entered the Jersey cow world this year, this last year. And there was a calf for sale up like in between Homer and Anchorage. And I knew it was, I knew the lady, I knew it was a great calf. And I was like, you have to, we have to go get this calf. And I was having knee surgery and they're like, that's not you. You're not going. I was like, I, I know, but I have, I have facilitated this. So it was like, it got like on the last ferry, they were like, there was bad weather moving in. I was like, this is not a horse. This is a cow. It will lay down. It will be fine. Not, not the same. It's not going to tip over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll be good. Kelly, I, I used to volunteer a lot with Heifer International and got a chance to meet some of their seafaring cowboys who were talking about when they first started in like the mid fifties, I want to say about like flying cows to Cuba and, you know, in like a twin engine Cessna, like, you know, a tiny little, like one passenger airplane, just wedging a whole cow in there. And like, you know, and these guys, you know, they're old farmers and they're all in like their nineties now. And they're talking about, you know, like, well, it gets real rough if you hit, you know, turbulence and she starts jumping up and down in a plane that small. <laughs> like, y'all are nuts. Like, that's that's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So how did you end up in 
someplace that necessitates a five hour drive and then like a 13 hour ferry ride with your goats. Yeah, not by chance. That is for sure. Um, I, I actually am a born and raised Nebraskan. Uh, um, and my husband's family is actually all from Iowa originally, but his parents were transported into Nebraska. Um, and so I, I decided to come up. I didn't want to keep. Kelly, I'm going to interrupt you again. That's the only way an Iowan would end up in Nebraska is if we were transported there. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Oh. Yeah. Proud Iowan right here. Oh, We don't have much, but we have Nebraska. Okay. <laughs> We like we can't get into the differences of Iowa and Nebraska. Like we are still like diehard Nebraska sport fans and things like that. So we always and Stephen's family, my husband's family. It's like oh my gosh, we gotta be careful at family gatherings and things. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. So yeah, no, we didn't end up by chance. I'm I'm a fifth generation farmer on both sides of my family in Nebraska. So all of our family farm is there. And I really didn't want to be a farmer. I didn't think that was what I wanted to do with my life. And so I volunteered as a summer counselor up. It was a day camp called Cody. It was Cody Baptist Mission was the name of it. And I was like, this is this is it. And then when I was doing my college internship, I was in communication. I was like, hey, I can come back and really compile your history and do all these really cool things. Um, long story short, I was able to fall into a not really paid position, but exciting, like adventurous job that I was like, I'm all about this. And then I I was working with kids. So I was their program administrator for children's programming. And I was like, I like kids need to learn stuff. And this is definitely not Nebraska, not farm country. The very best way that I knew how to teach responsibility and caring for others and all of the key fundamental traits that are important to me was through livestock and animals. And so we flew in too many Nubian goats and started a farm that just has exploded a little bit now. So, yeah, it's, and, and then like my husband, when we decided to get, you know, we got married, he was finishing college in Nebraska. And I was like, Hey, I have a job in Alaska. And he was a teacher at the time. He's like, I can do that anywhere. So he took a teaching job and, um, now it's just like it's just home all of our boys have grown up here so this is it's odd it's this odd weird farming like I'm looking at the ocean with a farm dynamic that's so not Nebraska Midwest but now it's now it's home yeah not chance but where you're probably supposed to be right so I feel like we already covered some of it but what are some of the other challenges that go along with both farming and raising a family in a remote location that's that's hard to get to obviously transport and feed but what about things like um you know like veterinary care or the other things that livestock farmers have to contend with Yeah so there are no large animal vets on the island and when I was when I was starting to start the dairy I was not in the dairy world whatsoever and my dad I remember him saying like don't do that don't do dairy I have never met a happy dairy farmer like Kelly they're miserable people and I'm like I'm gonna do this and he's like don't do this like you have to do this every single day you don't have to I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna try (laughs) and and so I actually became friends with a vet in Wisconsin that through roundaboutly we knew and he knew how to kind of set things up. And so he helped come in and really start working through a lot of the, the key 
parts of starting a dairy. And he has become our vet. So he is in Wisconsin, but he travels up because he loves to hunt and fish in Alaska. And so he'll come up twice a year um, and help do our animal checks and if I, you know, just any anything needing done. And then if I have problems, I can call him. Or if I'm like, I need a prescription, please, can you help me? I, you know, I have, I have him and he's really great, um, to, to work with. And so that, you know, that's always one, you become your own vet. And so at times you do, um, like last year I had one situation where it was like, this stinks. This is a really bad, this is a rough call. There's no good answer, but we're going to have to save somebody, you know, instead of like saving everybody, we're going to have to choose. And that's not always the case when you have a vet. Um, being, being disconnected, like we'll have times we are really stuck. You know, when I kind of joke that when the pandemic started the first day I milked, and so I do everything pretty much by myself. I milked, it was like March 1st of 2020. And the first day that I didn't milk was October 13th of 2021. That was my first day that I was, I left the island and I tried to leave and it was three days and they're like, I'm sorry, we have a problem. And I had to load the boys and I back up and we had to come back. And so, you know, any direction you go, it's about, you know, a two, a two day trip to get, to get back and forth. Um, it may not seem like a lot, but you know, like we just, we just don't have a lot of restaurant options here shopping. You know, if you want to get stuff, it's just not, which can be great for the budget because it can be an expensive place to live, but you actually save money because you don't have the little things that you buy so much. Um, and then, and then for us, like Steven and I, we are very close with our families. We just love them very, very much. So being so disconnected from our parents and our grandparents, you know, we've had to We've lost all our grandparents while living up here and you just can't make it home for funerals. You can't do those things. You can't be there, you know, for your nieces and nephews in the same way. And your kids aren't connected to their cousins, you know, like you'd like. So those types of things can be challenging for sure. Yeah, for sure. And as much as technology can help with some of those things when it comes to actually forging, like especially children's relationships with other people, it really does require presence right like you you can you can talk to them but yeah you really do have to be there yes absolutely yeah so you're not just milking goats you're also processing all of your milk right so that's a whole other step and then are you selling it too yeah (laughs) we do everything start I do everything start to finish you know so that in this and I for a while I was really thinking I'm going to ship off island to the mainland but in Alaska is not an agricultural state. I mean, that's not our priority. And I remember I kept getting my milk or my products bumped on the airlines for like hunting gear. And I was like, Hey, I'm paying to get this gold street to the mainland. Can you please make sure my stuff gets on? And like, no, sorry. Like we're going to put the hunting gear on first. And so I would like talk to Alaska airlines and like, that won't change. And I was like, then I'm stopping shipping to the mainland. Um, so I really focus on our Island here and, um, yeah, so I, you know, I bird the baby goats. We do all that. I'm the bottle feeder person. And now my boys are old enough. It's so great as they've gotten older to be helpful, um, and milk the goats. And then I just take my, I'm a bucket milker. And so I bucket milk those around to the processing room right next door, dump it in the tank. And like this morning I finished processing skier and I started the tank on feta today. And so 
I just have a, a lineup of products and then I make my labels. I put them on. Either I sell direct from the farm or I have a, a co-op that I sell at. Sure. I should have asked yeah. this before, but actually, what is the population of, of Kodiak? About 13,000 on the entire island. And that includes <laughs> the seven outer lying villages, which is another plane or boat ride. But we also have the largest Coast Guard base in the nation in Kodiak. And so they have a the Coast Guard base is just right outside, not right outside, but about a 15 minute drive out of town on the other side of where we're at. So Kelly, what is it like? I mean, a lot of us live in, in small towns, but what is it like when your, your small town is everywhere you can go, basically? I mean, here, if I get too sick of a small town, I can drive to Minneapolis. It's three hours, you know, I can, five hours I'm in Chicago, you go five hours and you're halfway to Homer, maybe? In the ocean. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, you're, you're right in the ocean. So what's that? I mean, it, it seems like maybe it would be good for sales because you have a pretty captive audience, but also... You can't mess up, that's for sure. <laughs> you don't have a backup. Yeah, yeah. If you make people mad once, you're done. And we are, we're here in kind of a a looking glass, I feel like. So, you know, growing up in Nebraska, we were really rural. You know, you have to want to get to our farm and it's a gravel road a few ways. Here, like it's road and ocean. And I'm, you know, I'm, I have two roads around me. I'm outside of city limits, but you've got the community right there and there's really no fully getting away from it. So I try to make some parameters and do my best to keep, you know, like I don't need everybody up and around during baby goat season. That's just a stressful time anyway. So I'm definitely not going to be using the space that's near a road ever. You know, it's, it's, and we live on a pretty private road, but um, you can't necessarily get away. We do have, so as my husband has changed and done different things, we, um, he has a whale watching business now too, but we have a landing craft skiff. And I always say that's our marine tractor. And so like our cattle herds on a nearby island, Woody Island, just across the channel here. So you can hop on that boat and you can go to a different island, you know, where cattle are the only full-time residents. And sometimes that's really nice to just get in and have a little change of scenery. And then we do, you know, just do our best to get, off the island if possible to make plans. Marrying a man that was not a farmer has helped me develop a few extra like non-negotiables where growing up in a farming family, we will never leave. And Steven's like, oh, we will leave. So you're going to have to figure that out, how we're going to do it. And that that's a struggle for me because I don't want to like just within me. However, like we'll always try and go on a trip at spring break or like we want to try and make it to Nebraska to visit family. So like I have a fantastic young lady from Nebraska and we switch places like she'll come up and she milks all the goats and does all the stuff for me um, so that I can go to Nebraska at times, you know, so be trying to have some of those things. Um, and then um, weekend trip, you know, like I was like, the boys now can milk. So if I'm like, I'm going to go get the van on the mainland, Grayson, you're milking this weekend. You're in charge of your brothers. Like go, he can do that. It's not always their favorite, but they do a really nice job at it. So, so do you ever find it tempting to put your boys in timeout on separate islands? 
Yeah. Because I feel like that could be really useful to just be like, to hell with putting one on the stairs. You're going to the island. <laughs> so it is funny. I, as they get older, I'm like, you know what? You can just go live on Woody Island. We have a little cabin there. You can just go there and you can spend the whole summer right there if you want to. The problem is normally they're like, really? That'd be awesome. And I'm like, whoa, it may, like, let me think for a second. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they, um, at times, I think they might like that more than having to deal with me. Say so maybe you should start a retreat <laughs> for burned out farm moms because that sounds amazing. Like just go yeah. sit on the island with the cows. Like what are they going to do? Yeah, you're right. They can't get to you. Like there's no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just watch, watch the cows and the whales. <laughs> Guys, we just, it's right. We just, we just came up with it. It's going to be great. Well, I mean, honestly, <laughs> even if you leave your kids over there for the summer, like how much trouble are they going to get into? They're on an island with cows. Like, I mean, I'm sure they'll find a way, but... Yeah, there aren't any bears over there, so, like, the safety level is even better than here. <laughs> Probably no bail money going to be involved for what they get up to on an island full of cattle. That's you know. so true. That's so true. I think you need to do it. Yeah. <laughs> the, the adjustment back to school in the fall might be a bit more of a, a transition than our regular farm kids trying to... It's like, we t I try to, like, it takes a month to get them clean once they start school again. Like I'm sure you guys are probably the same way. Like just to get the summer dirt off and like a little bit of the feralness away where you're like, you just can't do that. You've got like, to put on shoes. Like, <laughs> yeah. What am I? Yeah. <laughs> like organized. Here we go. Let's go boys. So do you have any goals that either short term or long term with the farm that you have kind of in your in the in the forefront of your mind things that you're thinking about doing or are you in a stage where you're just trying to uh, keep everything <laughs> constant it's always about changing and alaska's changed a lot even since i started the dairy so when i started being grade a certified was the only option um and so it was just how we went and um the first two years in dairy the our governor of the state discontinued the dairy program. He was going to take it out of the budget completely. And so right now, at least we're not fighting for that to the point though, that he's like made everything okay all over the place. And so that can also be a struggle. Cause I'm like, uh, okay. This, so you go back and forth. Like right now it costs me $4 to get an empty bottle to fill with milk, just a Kodiak, just $4. That's really tough for an island community. And that doesn't include the milk. That's just the package to put. That doesn't include the milk. No. Yeah. Yeah. To put your milk into. Yeah. Right. So I'm really trying to identify some direct sales on farms. So um, developing kind of a farm shop. And I'm trying to work with our state vet because I really believe a lot in food safety too. Like you don't go in the dairy world and go through all these steps and learn all the things. And just can go back to a different way. So I'm trying to figure out, like, how can we do this as safely as possible to follow the rules yet make it um, available to this island, you know, people? Because right now I can't sell fluid milk because it's so expensive to get these. So I'm working through a few options of kind of a direct farm shop and what that might look like. Um, so that's kind of a new thing. And then I'm all, I'm going to start of more intensive um, summer day camp. So I do a lot of farm and ranch camps for kids throughout the year. And then I have a farm and ranch internship. And this summer we're really going to dive in and like, we're going to 
we're going to make our farm to table meals together. And some of these, you know, these intense classes are going to actually go through all the parts of the farm and really work with the kids to learn some of these things. And then um, we're going to do a little Thursday youth farmers market on the farm. Being right outside of the city limits, it allows for that. So anyway, so those are a few of the little new things, bonus things. Yeah, little. Yeah, just to. (laughs) And I'm going to milk a Jersey cow for the first time this year. Adding that in with the goats. I really like butter and I really like cream. And you just don't get that with goats. And that's the thing that disappears a lot on the shelves in Kodiak. So and always working towards a little bit of additional food security. Little Maggie down there hopefully will add some of that. Yeah. So when you're talking about farm to table, um, we didn't actually talk about in terms of your meat production. Um, is there uh, an abattoir locally or can you process animals on farm or what's the, the meat situation? So we do not have any um, certified facilities on the island. So ours, you can do direct sale, you know, on the hoof. So you can sell your beef or, you know, hogs or she, anything like that, holes or halves. So we have a butcher shop here. I actually used the leftover pieces of things that we had in making the dairy to do the butcher shop. So it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good little butcher shop. Again, we do direct sales. So we do raise all of our own beef. And then like this year we harvested six steers and then sold by whole or halves. And then we always give some away too. And then I think we did 19 hogs this year, which is like, that's a lot of hog for, for a personal, like my hands were on them. We were doing them. That's a lot. Um, and then we did about, I gotta, I gotta interrupt. Do you sleep at any point? (laughs) I do. I try. (laughs) Is there like, is there a couple days where it's dark all day? Are you far (laughs) enough North and you just like, no, we don't get all day dark sleep nonstop (laughs) for a week. And then that's it. And like, that's it for the year or what's I just (laughs) little naps, 15 minute power naps help some days a lot. This year we did 10 turkeys too. We've gotten into doing turkeys and then chicken. Also, we just do our, for ourselves chickens, and I I didn't had never harvested chickens before. Done a lot of chickens for eggs, and always just sold them to folks. Like here you go, here's an old hen, and this was the first year that I expanded into meat birds. And so Landry, my middle son, and I, one day I was like, okay, you and I, Lance, like let's go get this done. And he and I just busted through the whole thing. And he's like, Mom, I can't believe you did that. And I was like, I can't either. And he's like, and you know what? I still like chicken. Like, I'm still okay with eating it. He's like, I was really worried I wasn't going to want to eat chicken after today. And I was like, me too. But um, yeah, that that was a good that was a, a good one. And then we have rabbits, um, but I do some contracts with rabbits. We don't. I, I like to have rabbits for the, the teaching portion. Like if we were in an emergency survival situation, that's your fastest protein turnaround source. So let's learn how to work with rabbits. I don't want to eat rabbits on the on the daily. Um, some folks do, so we we do keep extra some meat meat rabbits. Yeah, so that's kind of the protein side of it. I forgot what my other question was yeah. now, um, Kelly. I did see yeah. one of the Instagrams we follow in the UK has a milk vending machine where customers bring reusable glass bottles, and then it's just bottled on demand so they sell like chocolate milk strawberry milk and whole milk and it just 
I guess just mixes the chocolate in, you know, as it's bottling. And how cool would that be? Right? You skip a lot of hoo ha that way. That would be so neat. And if they bring their own bottles, then you don't have to deal with it, you know, which is worth a lot. That's such an interesting idea. I think milk vending machines are actually really common in the UK and Europe. I know I know of one farm in Canada, but there's there might be more than that, but uh, they're definitely pretty common over there anyway. I feel like I need to write that down. <laughs> Some of my coworkers mentioned seeing a champagne vending machine in San Francisco, but that's kind of a different situation. Oh, wow. Yeah. You might not be able to bring your own bottle for that. Things could get messy. Yeah. I think that probably has to be packaged ahead of time. <laughs> Kelly, how did you get your cow serviced? Does somebody have a Jersey bull on the island or did you find a bull or... We AI'd our jersey here, so I had my good friend, um, Katja is her name. She kind of self-taught herself, and she's had, had success rate with her own jerseys. There there aren't very many of us, and she, she doesn't like to be known. Like, she lives, she lives in the boonies, but I have, like, gained her trust, and she is just a wealth of incredible knowledge and just one of the best human beings that I know. And so she will come at any time, and, and she bred that. She bred that jersey. And then for the cattle on Woody Island, we we actually um, transport the buck, uh, the buck, the steer, not the steer, the bull. We transport the bull by boat over. So we kind of tranquilize him, transfer him over, wake him back up, and then let him go. If you... If you've ever seen Dr. Oakley, Yukon vet, she came and helped us do it. And then it was all on TV. So it was a little embarrassing, but we got it done. I'm just, I'm just picturing, I mean, we raise Normandy cattle, so they're not near as big as like an Angus bull, but I'm just picturing. And of course, in my mind, I'm picturing like a rowboat basically (laughs) with an 1800 pound bull. Not quite that bad. Mostly tranked. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so it's better than I was picturing, but I was... Yeah, he was, I mean, he wasn't a baby, but he, you know, stalker feeder size. And and so we could get him over there. It was still, the, it's like, de- like you, because you're lifting him up to get him out, and you're like, dead weight is way heavier than I thought. Like, buddy, you did not seem this heavy. And he's, he's a big guy, big bull. Now he's really big, doing his job really well. So I stay out of his way. I don't think our Ralphie would be emotionally capable of handling that sort of situation like he's a pretty tender-hearted guy i think he's not seaworthy i don't think so i mean maybe i'd be surprised but <laughs> he's a he's a mainland bull he's a he's a land lover for sure so. <laughs> yeah so you just just snuck in the fact that you're also running like children's programs from the farm amidst all the other things yeah. so is that year round um just summer like what is what is that situation it it has it has been in the past year round and it really took up steam you know during the pandemic there just wasn't stuff for kids to do and and I was homeschooling my boys at the time And I was like, golly, like we got to get like, there's got to be something that we can all get together here. And I was like, hey, if I promise to stay outside, like kids will have to wear overalls anyway. And like, can we just can we do this? And thankfully, I had a slew of parents that were like, yeah, we're all about this. And none of those I just will say none of us got sick ever. 
We were outside all of the time, messing around with animals, building our immune system, just all the good things. Anyway, my boys were able to interact. And so that's what kind of started the farm and ranch after school program. Then I had this group of kids that were like mega interested in farming and I couldn't very well just let it go. So we started a farm and ranch internship program that summer. And it was a little overwhelming, but again, I just felt like these kids didn't have anything to do and we needed stuff to do. So it was like 7.30 till 5.30, Monday through Friday, they would come. And then they'd want to come and help on the sa- farmer's market on Saturday. So it was a big part of the day. And how many kids are we talking about? It would always range from 15 to 17. Oh my gosh, that's a lot. Like fifth, fourth, fifth graders through eighth graders was the age group. And again, an age group that did not need anybody to watch them. They were not, but yet such an age that needs guidance still, you know, needs some things. And, and so they were there a lot. And that, you know, transitioned into the after school program. Well, stuff started to come back. So as we started to have more and more things come back, it changed kind of the need or how we were doing things. So um, now it's really, I, I took this fall off so we can focus in and really get a good summer program. So I have a few farm interns that come and help do, you know, chores that really don't like that is their gig. That is their one thing is the farm. They are so interested in it and they more than likely will have a career in that one day. Um, So they're still coming to help out and do things. And then come summer, we will expand that program again and have new kids coming in and then working with the interns because we're now we're at that age with these these farm interns where I'm like you're fantastic but like yesterday I'm like you can't leave the pitchfork upside down and the water bucket can't be left in the middle of the field because I'm going to be looking for it at 5 a.m in the dark so like okay you know so there are still some definite teaching things that these 11 12 13 14 year olds need Kelly, another another business idea for you, because you don't have enough going on, obviously. Oh, great. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Anti-reform school. For those of us who are just leaning into the fact that our kids are already feral, yeah. just lean into it. Just let them be yes. the horrible, disgusting little monsters that they are. I love I my children more than life itself, but they're gross. <laughs> you know, when you can see the water changing color when you put your kids in a tub, yeah. like... Yeah. Yikes. So I think you could really get a good program going where those of us who have just given up on trying to civilize our kids could just really lean into it and send them to play with other, you know, I mean, around here, there's so many small towns have closed and there's so few young families that there's not a whole herd of disgusting little farm kids out here tearing around, you know. Well, I'm I'm really surprised when when I went to Nebraska last, I was really surprised to the disappearing of the small farm behind the big farm. You know, like when I grew up, we, there was there was like a host of little family farm kids out there, like running amok behind their homes, and I just don't see that. I didn't I didn't see that, and I could have missed it. But I, I you know I saw the home on the corner pivot lot with the pretty you know um, uh, playground equipment, but no chicken coop. You know, no bar you know small farm idea to get these kids going and you're right it's kind of a dying breed of of child that maybe we can bring it back so that actually leads really (laughs) well into uh my next question because i got i found the link to your boys uh youtube channel which is delightful so late 
late 1800 boys life. So we're going way back <laughs> to, uh, yeah. So can you tell us about what inspired their, uh, their YouTube introduction? YouTube's kind of a big deal these days. And it's a big deal with like kids. Definitely. And it drives me insane. Like it dry, like I see the things that are attracting these kids and it's like so in your face and so fast and people acting absolutely ridiculous. And I'm like, why are these guys getting airtime? But I get it. Like my kids are like, mom, like we're going to be a YouTuber. And I'm like, the heck you are, dude. And then I was like, no, I can't tell them no. Cause that will only push them even deeper to want to do something like that. And I was like, absolutely. Yes. And so Johnny, who's my boss, his name is Johnny Walker, actual name. Um, <laughs> he's also like my boys' best friend. And so uh, like backwards, Southern West Virginia, just an amazing guy. Um, blacksmith, knife maker into flintlocks and all the things. I was like, hey, Johnny, do you want to help my boys do this channel? And he's like, 100% yes. Like, like, But his idea was like, we got to get the clothes. And I'm like, the, I don't. I don't know. So we're like eBaying 1800s clothes and I'm looking at like military, like kids. Right. Like, it's got to be authentic. Yeah. <laughs> good grief. And he's like, we got to get the silverware. And I was like, really? Do we need like, so anyway, they've started this eight, late 1800s boys life and it's, and it's slow. Like, I'm like, we're not going to make this fast and nuts, but it's going to be cool. Like we're going to do stuff. And I've, I'm actually surprised that we haven't been taken down because like Landry did his first beef harvest, you know, this year, like we put a little bit of that there and like he did his first hog with his flintlock and I tried to not like get all of it, but I was like, this is real life. Like kids see how many deaths and how many things every single day and then it's not real. So that's a problem in my world. And, and I wanted to say, no, but we do have real life. And these kids are capable of, of actually working through things and learning how to do neat tasks. So anyway, we've just started trying to document some of the things that they do anyway. And like they're normal, not 1800s clothes, but they are funny. They're like, mom, these shoes stink. Like, this is horrible. I was like, I'm right there with you, man. Like, yeah. I'm in my, like, 18 layers of clothes, like, trying to video yeah. them. And, and you're not even like, capturing the shoes, but but they've, they've got to be. No, no, I'm not. And that's, that was a Johnny. He's like, you got these shoes. I was like, why do we need shoes? Like, what are we doing? Anyway. That's so, very cute. Yeah, we they've had a good time with it. Yeah, I should make sure I actually subscribe. I'm not very good at actually doing that part. I watch videos, but I'm not. But I'll I'll, I'll add a subscriber for it. Yeah, I'm the same way. Kelly, I have to say too, if your family's not familiar with, uh, PBS did several series, oh, probably 20 years ago now. Um, Frontier House. There was an 1800s Texas ranch house. There was one that was. So they take these people who are like vastly unprepared. And give them a little bit of training. Yeah. And for Frontier House, like, dropped them in northwestern Montana. And we're like... Live like a pioneer. Have fun. Figure it out. Yeah. And, like, families with wow. kids. You know, like, older folks, younger folks. Um, they did a series that was based, like, post-World War II in the UK. And just all these really intricate oh, wow. things. And it's... It's cool to watch what people just totally buckle down and figure it out because it's not the people I would have anticipated to, you know, it's, 
That's so neat. I'll check it out. Yeah, it was it was fun stuff. Yeah. And I will definitely get my kids watching your channel because yeah, the my five year old called me bruh the other day. That's a milestone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's his thing now. He calls me bruh. <laughs> That's tough. We have a lot against us at times. No. Oh. no. Yeah. Not ready for it. So your kids are a bit older now, but when you first became a mom, what was that transition like for you? I mean, one of the reasons we started the podcast was because both Katie and I kind of connected over that feeling of, of isolation and being a farm mom and being rural or disconnected. And even if you're not, even if you're connected with your community, sometimes becoming a parent can be isolating mm -hmm. anyway. So what was that time like for you when you had your first it was a super eye, eye awakening. Like life was so easy, and I was so selfish, and I had no idea. She said, and then I, and then you get this little person, and I called my mom like immediately, and I was like, "Thank you so much for keeping me alive." I had no idea. Like I had no idea. Like just the keeping them alive takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, my boys were really colicky. And, um, you know, started with Grayson and he just cried all the time. Like Steven and I didn't fight until we had kids. And then I was like, I'm dying. Like, and I'm a, I have this horrible human that I just have no idea. Who screams at me all day and all night. I, my first was like that too. I know. I was like, I'm just trying to help him. And all he does is yell at me. And, and so. I'd hook Grayson on and we just started going. And that's what I found. And Steve's like, what did you expect? Like you moved up until the day you had that kid. And then you expect him to just like sit like that's not his jam, you know? And so I, I found that even though like my body was a mess and everything was wrong, you know, and you had liquids coming out of every area, I was like, we're going to embrace the suck and we're going to just go with it. And so we just, just went. And, you know, I, I think like Grayson and it probably has nothing to do with it. He didn't have any ear infections. Cause I think, Oh, I think he was going upside down all the time. So I was holding him and we're like, we were moving and we were doing stuff. And I did, it is tricky cause you do feel isolated. And I just don't think there's any way around it. I think that there's just the, yeah, this kind the, yeah, this is rough. This is going to be kind of tricky. Um, for a while. And Stephen and I tried to move back to Nebraska in that period, which left us really isolated. So I kind of had a community in Kodiak. And then we moved for like this nine month period. And it was just Gray and I. And I was like, how am I supposed to talk to a one year old? And like, you know, I was like, I don't know what this is really tricky. Now I'm so, you know, I love all my boys a lot. Gray has a special connection because I was like, man, like we had some times together and, you know, he'll be out there helping do chores and he's his own, his own little human, very different than my other two. But I'm like, thank you for getting me through that year and a half. And, and Landry came and I remember like Stephen came to the hospital the next day with gray, like after the whole thing and Landry had spent the whole night crying and I was like, he's worse than the first one. And Landry just cried and was mad the first 18 months of his life. And um, didn't sleep through the night. It was just kind of a tough, tough kid. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think somebody had given me, I don't know if it was an advice, but they're like, just remember that the first year's a wash. Don't try and accomplish anything. Don't think you're going to. If you do anything good, like, count it as a bonus. Like, just live. Just live. 
And that was so helpful for me. And I really did let go of the whole idea. You know, at the beginning, I'm like, we're not going to watch TV and we're not going to drink chocolate milk. And we're, I was like, bull crap. We are doing all the things. I was like, sit ourselves down. I don't care what we're watching on TV today, but we're going to watch it. And I'm just going to sit and I'm just going to be. And um, really, our, the farming stuff really was in full, full bore by the time Fletcher came. And like, I'd put him in the car seat with the heat lamp over the top of him and I'd milk goats. And that was okay. I was like, I don't know if it is okay, but it was okay. And, um, you know, like my ringtone still is a goat because that was the one thing that wouldn't wake him up. Like when we were doing stuff was the goat ringtone, you know, and, and, and we just started chugging away and I'm a different mom. Like I am not mom of the year at all. Like I'm not, I am not the one that's going to go find all the little play groups and do all the things. Um, all in the same time where I like community, like I'm kind of an introverted little person too. And I do my own thing. So I guess it was more than anything. I was like, I'm just going to be me by the end. And um, yeah, it's tricky though. Being a mom's hard. Yeah, for sure. Were you able to have your kids in Kodiak? Are there facilities for people to, to yes, yeah, so you didn't have to travel. So Grayson, Grayson was born in Kodiak. And then we tried to move to Nebraska. Landry was born in Nebraska. And when he was four weeks old, we moved back to Kodiak. And he's been here. He's never known anything. But he now boasts. He's like, I was born in Nebraska. Where normally it's like kids like, I was born in Alaska. Isn't that cool? No. Landry's like, I'm so cool because I was in Nebraska. And then Fletcher was born. And and like I can see the hospital. That's how close. I can see it like catty cornered from my home. And so we just had him here. The neat part about where we were at, I, I was really thankful. I didn't have any problems. I didn't have any issues. I personally wanted to have my kids in the hospital. I just felt like that was the most selfless thing I could do for them. And, um, but like they were born and seven hours later we were home. So that was nice, mm-hmm. but we were really close too. So. so I feel like we've kind of already covered it, but what do you enjoy most about raising your kids on the farm? Yeah, they're, they're just fun. I like my kids a lot. Uh, I mean, like I'm still their mom. We aren't like, I, I will never be like, they're my best buddies. I mean, I might say that, but I am not their friend. I am their mom. But be through that, we have just a deeper relationship. So I love hanging out with them. I can accomplish more with my three boys, you know, than I think I can with anybody else. And they're like young little dudes. Um, but I just like them. I like that they're this hybrid of Steven and I, and like, he's my favorite person. So to have like a hybrid of the two of us, I'm like, this is pretty sweet. Um, and, and just watching them grow up like those are my that's my favorite part and and it's like the prayer constantly I'm like oh lord don't let me screw these guys up like I know it has to depend on them too but anyway it's neat when you start as they get older you start to see their sense of humor and personalities emerge and and when there are those common alleys where it's like oh yeah I think that's funny too like you are actually like we're speaking the same language but I mean like this is our that's exactly it this is our family culture so yeah we just get each other (laughs) in a way that yeah other people don't I think too it's so great to see parents enjoy their children because I mean I love my kids, obviously, but I get so much more fulfillment out of the times that I really like them 
And I know that they get so much more fulfillment out of the times that they see us really enjoying them and not just like, oh, there's those short people who live in my house again. What the hell do they want now? They probably want food again. They've probably outgrown something. You know, like, (laughs) it's nice to to really enjoy our time together. You know, my kids are five and seven, so we're in a pretty um, loud, demanding place yet. So yes, you are. So what I'm hearing you say is that it's totally cool if I throw them on a plane and send them to Alaska for the summer. And you, I mean, you can just throw them on the island; they'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> I love my kids. I don't always like other people's children. And so it was like I loved my babies. Like I'm not a baby person. Like I love my babies. I love them. I love them. I'm okay to not hold yours. Like I'm totally at that. Like I'm, I will if you need me to, but I'm really okay with not. Like. It, I had a friend that was like, I just love babies. I want more. And I'm like, really? Ooh, I'm so good. I love my children, but I am so good. I know. I, <laughs> I volunteered at our local daycare where my kids go. And like the little babies, mm. fine. The like four and up, totally cool. But that like middle age where they're walking, but they're not talking yet. And they're not babies and they're not people. Bleh, nope. Hard now. Like, and they don't listen to you. You're like, no. you're going to go kill yourself. You are running yourself into the woods to die. Stop. Like, do you not understand English yet? Yeah. They yeah. Don't. I just don't. All the skills and no survival. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So what's your biggest parenting struggle these days? Besides stinky 1800 shoes and your kids not getting eaten by bears. Although Google says that nobody's gotten eaten by bears in a long time. So that is, that's true. That's good. So there's a lot of injuries, but not many people actually get eaten. So that's reassuring. (laughs) (laughs) So my 13, almost 14 year old Grayson is so small. So he's almost 14. He'll be 14 in March and he weighs maybe 70 pounds. He's a small guy. And that's so tough as your kids getting bigger and all of his buddies are getting so big and I always have to remember, like, yeah, but Gray, you're, like, lifting 50-pound bales. You do a good job, man. Like, you are – but, you know, you're just watching your little guy, and he's not that little anymore, but you're still, like, oh, I just – like, can he just get a little bigger? You know, so those are sometimes you – know, you see your kids struggle because they just aren't quite – and his, his middle brother has far outweighed him and is bigger than him. You know, and Landry's two years younger than Gray. You know, so those can be – those can be the, the – tricky parts you know for that oldest middle school and I always try and tell Graham like do you want to just be homeschooled like I am so good you are so self-motivated like let's just not deal with all of the politics of school and the ridiculousness but he loves hanging out with his buddies he loves being at school so I'm like okay go for it man um Landry the middle kid you know it's always like he's happy go lucky he's actually just so happy and fantastic now that young once he got through those that 18 months of, of grumpiness yeah first 18 months but now now he's just like he's the man but I'll tell you Fletcher my youngest he's a challenge like he's a tough kid um he has all the feelings times eight million and it's not like cry feelings it's like I'm gonna yell at you or I'm gonna like and so there are times I'm like what did we do wrong, Stephen? Like, what happened to this kid? And he's and my husband's actually a counselor, which has its days. I'm like, do not counsel me. Like, you are my husband, not my counselor kind of person. I, yeah, I don't need a therapist right now. I just want you to... <laughs> right. 
I was like, the butt, you know, he'll be like, so this is just Landry. And I was like, he got this from you. Like he, or Fletcher. She's like this. So Fletcher is really great, but he like just trying to find a food that he will eat some days is so amazing. Or like he is so intense about something. And if he doesn't get it right, it is off the handle or so Landry or Fletcher. I'm just not sure that like he's going to be okay yet. And so that's, that's my struggle you know, with, with him that he is a lot of a kid and we, I've really had it pretty easy with Grayson and Landry and Fletcher is the, like, I'm just waiting for the, like he told a boy in his class that I got a call from the teacher and she's like, so Landry or Fletcher, Fletcher told um, a kid in his class that he was super annoying and that he was just like, he told him how it was. And she's like, it was kind of true, but we can't. And you know, I'm getting all the teacher yeah. things, and all I want to do is fight the teacher because it's just like the the primal like leave my child. Yes, yes, Mrs. McCormick, I am so sorry. We will talk to Fletcher. But then you kind of also want to know the kid's name because you're like, is it the one he's been talking about? <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm like, who's the kid? What was he doing? Yeah. Like, who's his parent? Did he get a talk? You know, and you're like, just yeah, calm down. Foreman, like calm yourself. So. It's so interesting. I know that I do the same thing too, where your kid has a personality trait or, a, you know, characteristics and you, as parents, we blame ourselves. I mean, sometimes not seriously, but, but other times it's like, what have I done to create this or to, to not nip it in the bud or whatever. Right. But then at the same time, we also have to remember like, yeah, they are their own people. Yeah. They have to figure it out, but yeah, as a parent, it's so easy to put right. all of the all of the responsibility on our shoulders that that we have done this. Yeah, I know, Kelly. My uh, my little boy sounds a lot like your youngest, and on a good day, it's amazing. But on a bad day, I have to remind myself that just yelling, "Dude, you must chill." is not going to help. And the fact that that is my immediate response probably informs something about where he got this yes. emotional intensity from. Because he's happy about stuff the same way he's mad about stuff, but there's no, there's no in-between. No. Yeah. There's no, no in-between. <laughs> yeah. I am not the gentle parent. Like, gentle parenting. Not my jam. I just anyway it's hard for me I'm like, oh. we all have to yeah. do it our own way right yeah that's right that's right so I know you kind of shared one already about just uh surviving the first year but is there another piece of parenting advice that you would personally share with somebody or that someone told you that has made a difference for you you know this 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 is highly unpopular I'm just gonna like I share this at all the baby showers and do this and I get the looks like you have lost your loving mind Kelly um I always say, don't play with your kids. Do not play with your kids. Um, do not make up things to do with your kids. And they're like, what do you mean? My mom never made up games. We worked together and that work became play. Like when I look at it now, like I was like, why am I having to do this work? But, and, and I'm, and I'm saying it kind of on the extreme side. Do I play with my kids? I do. Like I, I love like now, especially as they get bigger. When they were little, I was like, this play is not fun play. Like, I do not like sitting on the floor and doing this. Why um, are we knocking this tower over for the hundredth time? <laughs> but I found, though, because I disliked it, I was like, we're going to work together and we're going to make this work play. And and so, I, you know, I just say, don't don't play with your kids. You know, be with your kids and, and be intentional with your kids. 
um, be with them. And, and I guess the other part with that is if you're not going to play with them, be okay with being inconvenienced by your kids because your job's going to take longer. It's not going to be as smooth. It's going to not be up to your standards. You're going to probably have to go and redo it, but like work with your kids, let that be your play. Um, so that would be, that would be my, my big thing. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. People pay a lot of money to put their kids into like Montessori preschools where you're paying for somebody else to teach your kid how to work, which like seems like you could just teach them that at home, you know, but it does. I mean, it's. Well, and you've got other people's kids for farm and ranch camp, so you might as well have your kids there too, right? Well, and, and that's where it stems from. I will like, I will have my kids and it's interesting at times. Like I've had parents say, Hey, can you teach, can you like get my kid to do this or that? And I'm like, Nope, but you can like, we're going to do, we're going to do this project, but like, it's not my, it's not my job on that, on that next level. Like that's a conversation you're going to have to have. Yeah. Yeah. We sometimes get the, can you, can you take my kid and make them work on the farm? And it's like, we have our own children who are here working with us. And yeah, we're, it's not a reform school. (laughs) So you probably have some chores in your house that could get done too. That's exactly. I got really frustrated because Grayson started to have a lot of homework with middle school. And I was like, dude, like we need to go talk to a teacher because I am so over this because you have chores and this is not fair in the family. Like you need to be emptying dishwashers and doing the food. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's right. This is taking too much time. Yeah. This is becoming not a fair situation in our home. And, and yeah, it's, it's like we have roles that we have to get done in our family. Well, I, I think that's a good thing because I know like around here, we see so few teenagers having time for jobs or for being bored or whatever, because they've got so much homework. They're in so many extracurriculars. They've got so many sports, you know, like cool. But I was actually really excited the other day. My seven-year-old told me she was bored for the first time in seven years. It was like, yes. And then she kind of just stood there and looked at me and was like, I don't care that you're bored. I'm glad you're bored. Go find something to do. And she's like, but I'm so (laughs) bored. Go yeah. find something to do. Yeah. I remember one of my, one of the phrases I used to use a lot with my kids was, I care about a lot of things and I care about your feelings, but being bored is not one of the things I care about. So thanks for letting me know. That's cool. But yeah, bored is, is not one of those feelings that I, I'm going to be too concerned about. I'm always like, that's on you, buddy. Like, what are you going to do about that? Because I can fix that problem real fast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can find you something to do or? Like, do, if you need me to fix your boredom problem. I got that. Or you can find something to do real fast. <laughs> like, we got it. We're fine. We're okay. Or, yeah, pretend you're not bored because I got a list for you. Exactly. I found out that you'll get a real judgy reaction, too, if you say something in public to your children about, I didn't have a second kid so I could play with both of you. Like, I had two kids so you could entertain each other. I didn't have two kids so that I could entertain you. Tell you what, those people are not my people. If you're going to get judgy about that, that's too bad. So we ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at the county fair, what would it be? And categories can be real or made up. That one, this was like this so hard for me. And I thought about like the like almost doing it well category. 
Like you almost got there. Like you can do a lot of things pretty good. Like, good job. Like, like lots of, yeah. Like the well-rounded award. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Oh, none of, none of it's never, none of it's going to be perfect. Like I do not have the, the thing in me that is the perfectionist. I'm the youngest child. Like it's pretty good. That's good enough award. (laughs) And so it's totally a made up category, but like, Oh, you did all that stuff. Pretty good. All right. You know, and we're still running. So yeah. Can, can that be a category? Well, then you could do, yeah, you could enter a whole bunch of different categories and then you get the award for the most points in because you entered like a hundred of them because you don't sleep. <laughs> that's right. It's just a luxury <laughs> that I miss out on. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So I will go ahead and move us into our cussing and discussing segment. So listeners, you know that you can enter your cussing and discussing on our speak pipe or by email. Check the show notes for the links for those. Katie, what do you have to cuss and discuss this week? People being horrified by regional food specialties. I mean, as much as I make fun of Scandinavian food in our area, Kelly, I imagine it being from Nebraska, you're familiar with the uh, cinnamon rolls being served with chili. Is that a thing in your part of the world? Right? 100%. People from the rest of the world, except apparently part of Ohio, and most of Ohio apparently serves peanut butter sandwiches with chili. You know, if we're not making you eat it, don't act like it's the weirdest damn thing you've ever heard. You could try it. I mean, that many Iowans and Nebraskans can't really be wrong, right? And if you don't like it, don't eat it. I just... Don't yuck anybody else's yum, to quote a a favored parenting podcast around here. You know, it's not hurting you. Just leave it alone or try it. Um, You know, anyway, I know what we're having for supper because now I'm really hungry for chili and cinnamon rolls. And maybe try some peanut butter with it, too, just for variety. Yeah, try it out. Hey, Kelly, what do you have to cuss and discuss? This this is a hard one for me. Like, I... I, um... Gosh, and I had, I had, I was thinking about this and I had one and then I was like, what the heck was it that I was like, I was ranting about just, just the other day. And, and I think like mine was, and and this goes with our feral children. Like if it's not your kid, like don't, don't judge it. Like if my kid walks in and his hair hasn't been cut, like, dude, there's a good reason for that. Like we've had world war three over not cutting that hair. Like it's that way. Or like the, the stained pants or like the backward shirt or the shirt that's been worn five times. Like we have a whole purpose behind that. And a a lot of families do. So, um, and mine always ends up being like the young person that's never had a kid that ends up telling me all the things. And I was like, "Mm -mm, you just sit down. You just don't, you don't get to have a voice in this currently. So, we're all, we are all going through our great battles that we, you don't know, somebody else's great battle that they went through. So just give them a smile. <laughs> I feel like that might be my most given piece of parenting advice is that I was a much better parent before I had kids than I am now. Yeah, me too. I was a great, perfect mom before I had children. It's kind of been all downhill ever since. For our listeners who can't see this, my five-year-old is on his third snow today this week and is wearing a jammy top and nothing else and is bouncing up and down on the couch right behind me where Arlene and Kelly can both see his butt and (laughs) everything else. Well, it's blurry enough. It's all, it's all good. It's great. We've been there. (laughs) And we're not judging you. Not at all. (laughs) I mean, it would be more awkward if one of Arlene or Kelly's kids was doing it because your kids are 
older, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, that is true. Arlene, what do you have to cuss and discuss today? So today I'm cussing and discussing interest rates because we had the discussion, you know, it's we're recording in January. And so it's kind of year end time and looking at how much interest we're going to be paying next year versus the past few years and how annoying it is to pay for something where you don't really get anything out of it. And I get the whole idea, you know, like we have to pay to borrow money, blah, 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 economics, whatever. But it feels like you're paying more money for nothing. And it's just like money that we can't spend on other things because now we're paying the bank more money for the privilege of being in debt, which, I mean, I guess that's the way farming goes. But anyway, interest rates, boo hiss. So we want to thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us today. If people want to follow you online, uh, find your boy's YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff, where should they look for you on the internet? Yeah, I'm I'm at Kodiak Goat Dairy on Instagram. That's kind of the main jam. And then 1800, 1800s Boys Life, Alaska Boys Life, Boys Life, something. If you put that in, there's not a lot of that. So it, it's right around there. Three blonde-headed Three blonde-headed boys that look a little homeless in the 1800s. That's my crew. And one, <laughs> yeah. like, older Southern man <laughs> that's hanging out with them. That's, that's, the, that's them. It's very different. Showing them how to use anyway. tools and <laughs> dispatch counts. Yeah, all the things that are people are probably like, it is funny. They're like, you're letting it. I was like, yeah, they we're just all about, we're about all about those things. So that's that's where I'm at. Hey, they're living their dream. They get to be YouTubers. Yeah. My kids will be super jealous. There you go. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. I think you should start a camp with this like 1800s life yeah. thing because I would totally attend that. That sounds awesome. Or maybe maybe just a few theme days. You don't want to have to buy clothes for everybody. They'll have to bring their own outfits. Yeah. You'd have to bring your own outfit. I obviously don't buy clothes for everybody. My other child is fuck naked too. <laughs> I think we better sign off so Katie can deal with this is the newly covered couch that you have told us about. They're not even supposed to be on that piece of furniture. Yeah. Yeah. I just paid more for this upholstery than I did for like any of my first four cars. I <laughs> so I'm going to go chase my children off it. Good luck. Their little naked butts. Thanks again, Kelly. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye guys. Thank you for joining us on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy this show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyardlanguage to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making this show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you want to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We are always in search of guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, please get in touch. 